You're listening to episode 153 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and if you're listening to this, you're probably a maverick like me. How convenient because I literally made the show just for you. I'm a business scaling strategist that's been in the game for almost a decade now, and I'm weirdly passionate about helping impact-driven entrepreneurs, business owners, brands, and go-getters scale their businesses and their lives. Imagine taking your impact, your income, and your freedom of time to the levels that you can only dream about. Making your mission known to the world and mastering your business strategy so you don't have to keep on trading dollars for hours. I built two two comma businesses doing what I love, what I believe in, and a lot of that has to do with teaching you how to do the same. We drill down on strategy, but we know that it takes more than just business tactics to live the life that you envision. So we go deep on health optimization, mindset, leadership, relationships, and just being that scaled up version of you who is primed and ready to step into your purpose and peak performance. Some days I record this bad Larry from my closet to escape my three littles, and some days I'm down at my barn office on our 12-acre farm. So do me a favor, grab your notebook and a pen and your favorite bevy, and let's get to the show. Let me ask you, do you have a plan in place, like a solid plan to make sure that the next year of your life is different than this year, like better than this past year? Because the mistake I'm seeing kind of on repeat over the years that entrepreneurs are making is that they assume more time under their belt and some lofty dreams and hard work, that's going to be enough. And then they get disappointed and they wonder why nothing is changing with time. Do you have the mentorship lined up, the community of ambitious, well-connected entrepreneurs who are going to support you and push you and put you in contact with the right people to help you elevate your business more quickly? And do you have the business strategy? And the person that's going to pull the best version out of you in that process. It was on my heart during all the chaos of this last year to price our Maverick Mastermind at half off, much to my team's dismay, literally thousands and thousands of dollars off. So to make it more attainable to entrepreneurs who are in the heart of COVID and craziness, who wanted access to a way to elevate and build more profitability. And they were ready for massive change in their business. They wanted to see the bottom line grow and they wanted to change as leaders. That's only going on for another month. The Maverick Mastermind is for you if you are an entrepreneur who's already up and running, but you're ready for that next level in all categories. If you're called to more, but you need the clarity and the strategy to make it happen. So head on over to elizabethhartke.com forward slash maverick and apply. We do cap entry, so make sure you do it quick and know that this is a very limited time offer before we go up to our regular pricing, which is still a great price for the program, but why not save quite a bit of money going into 2021? So go to elizabethhartke.com forward slash maverick, and hopefully we'll see you in there. This is a long-awaited topic and episode for those of you that are growing your teams, looking to hire, wanting to create a movement that people really want to be a part of. We get asked a lot behind the scenes. How do you hire the right people? How do you nail that process? What's onboarding look like? How do we create something that people really want to be a part of? And how do you shift from that feeling of management into leading your dream team and breaking out of the stuff that causes so much stress when it comes to hiring? Tiana Tai is an industrial organizational psychologist and team dynamics consultant, and she works with online business owners to build and lead those dream teams and help them scale and thrive. You are going to love her perspective. And we talk about a lot of different things when it comes to hiring and growing your team and and leading your team. Everything from how to diversify that team to how to 
make the process more streamlined and how it ultimately leads to the results that you want when you are bringing people on board. So this episode, it was an absolute breath of fresh air and a compass for anyone that is really ready to scale in this particular area of your business. So come with your notebook ready and let's get to the show. Okay, so I've got to tell you, Tiana, I am pumped to have you on the show, especially ever since I read your Instagram bio that said something along the lines of really showing people how to lead their team better than their last boss. So that lit me up because that's speaking my language. And today we're going to dive into all of those things. But I just want to welcome you first to Scaling Up. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, honestly, that better than your last boss, that was one of those like aha moments where I was like, yes, this is how I want to describe this thing. Because the reality is most of us, if not all of us, have experienced a not so great boss in the past. And I just think as entrepreneurs, as people building our own businesses, it's such a beautiful opportunity to flip that bad boy on its head and do things in a very intentional way the first time around. Hey, men, I am with you on that. And there's so much I want to pick your brain on today and just get your perspective. Stuff I know that our listeners have been really kind of craving and needing more of. But before I pepper you with questions, <laughs> tell us more about you. What was your journey into entrepreneurship like? How did you end up in this specific space? I would love to hear more about it. Absolutely. It's always such a fun question. Um, I would say as far as entrepreneurship goes, I was one of those like kind of odd ducks who took an extremely traditional approach, actually, in terms of my background. So I lived most of my life thinking I wanted to be a therapist. That was hilarious. Didn't actually go into that, obviously. Um, but I worked at a holistic therapy office in D.C. and just really got a lot of good exposure there. Because although I was being mentored and kind of like geared in the direction of becoming a practitioner myself, day by day, I was basically their operations manager. So I was running the office, doing the hiring, all this fun stuff, which is hilarious because I was like an undergrad in college, you know, like 19 years old, very fresh into business. But we all know how it goes. We get very uh, feisty in small businesses. So they trained me up and I was kind of doing that work. But as I got more and more exposure into what therapy really was, I was like, oh, not quite for me. Got to pivot, got to find something else. And I got super lucky, to be honest with you, a couple of industrial organizational psychologists came to speak at my university. We asked them a bunch of questions. And literally from that day on, I like rescinded all of my grad school applications. I was like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. So full force from there. I went the extremely traditional approach, got my master's, specialized in virtual work, whole shebang. And it's just been a really wild journey because to be honest with you, I went into corporate consulting. Like I'm talking pharma, like big pharma in healthcare. Okay. Very, very different vibe over yeah, there. Totally. <laughs> so different from what I do in this space. I mean, I still actually consult with them. Probably like 30% of my time I spend consulting with them. But I will tell you my heart and like my spirit is just reached out for entrepreneurship because what I was finding is I was having all these conversations with people who were, you know, photographer, things kind of took off. Now she has a team and a scaling or graphic designer or whatever, right? And I was having conversations with these people and realizing, wait a second, there's a really great opportunity to bring in some of that IO psychology work and start to help people build their businesses from the ground up with extreme and like dedicated intention around what do they want the people side of their business to look like. So we're talking 
teams. What do I want my team to look like? What do I want it to feel like? What do I want that culture to be? How do I want to show up as a leader? All of those bigger questions that let's keep it real. Entrepreneurs typically don't ask themselves until many years in the game. So when I saw that that was a gap, I was like, holy cow, I want to go in, start educating around this stuff and just open up the floor, have the conversations and kind of see what comes of it. Well, you are just hitting the nail on the head for what our audience has been asking for more of and the conversations Mm. that I've been having in my masterminds and with some of my clients, because I've been working with entrepreneurs for many years now. And one of the roadblocks I see them hit is it's not just hiring. Hiring is that one piece of it, but they go from hustle until I burn out. Okay. That must mean it's time to outsource here. Let me hire some people and throw some stuff at them. Oh Lord, what did I just do? Now I don't know how to manage (laughs) these people. And they aren't prepared for what they just leapt into. Yeah. So can we talk about and talk through the different stages or just the process of going from, okay, it's apparent that it's time for me to expand and scale. One of the ways that I'm going to do that is bringing people into my company. But how should they be doing it in a way starting soup to nuts so that it reduces overwhelm and serves Mm -hmm. an intentional purpose versus just throwing crap at the wall and seeing what sticks and hoping that the people they bring in are going to fit the bill. Or what I see a lot of people doing is like, oh, I'm really busy. I just need a VA. That's just like their automatic go-to, which you might, but you might need other things that are going to support the growth. And I love that you spoke about having that vision and the goals specifically, because then you actually can be intentional in the process. But I would just love your input on that. Absolutely. What a fantastic question. So for me, a lot of times when I dive into this conversation and it's about how do I get ready before I even hire? Because the reality is, like you said, some people just kind of jump into it, which is cool. Most of us have been there. Let's keep it real with that. But even if you need to take two steps back and kind of readjust your foundations, or if you just haven't hired at all, right? I like to look at the foundations of team building from a three pillar perspective. So we start with understanding what our mission vision vision is and applying that to the organizational structure. That sounds so nerdy and so just like stuffy. I get it. But when I say org structure, it's not this big, complicated thing. It's as simple as, okay, if I have this vision for my business, 2021, 2022, so on and so forth, who are the people that I'm going to need to bring this vision to fruition? Step by step by step. So maybe one year, that's only two people. Maybe five years down the line, it'll expand to a team of five or a team of 10. It's totally dependent on what that vision is again, but that's often where we start. And it seems like a big pill to swallow because like you said, a lot of times I'm chatting with entrepreneurs and they're just like, okay, I'm going to hire a VA. And I'm like, slow down, take 10 steps back because what if a VA actually isn't the most strategic hire for you right now? I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to. And when we actually peeled back the layers, what they really needed was actually more high level than a VA. It was an OBM. Or what they needed was something totally specialized so that an entire sector of their business could be taken off their shoulders, like a podcast manager who could handle everything from podcast post-production to the scheduling and loading it up into your site, so on and so forth, right? So that's why I say oftentimes the smartest thing we can do is take 10 steps back and be like, I have a vision for this business. Like I've done the vision boards year after year after year. I kind of know what I want to build from an organizational structure perspective. What the heck does that look like? Who was involved? You know, start thinking about how big do I want this thing to get? 
I've worked with many people, myself included, I don't actually have a desire for a huge team. Even if we were going to be pulling multiple eight figures or whatever, running a company of 50 doesn't actually sound appealing to my personal leadership style. But, you know, I have friends where like that is their freaking dream. You know what I'm saying? So really understanding those things and really resting in that and uncovering what it's going to take to build that is oftentimes the best first step you can do. Oh, I could not agree more. And this is something that, I mean, it was trial by fire for me. I mean, we've been in business in some capacity for the last decade. And there's been such an evolution. I mean, where we are today is so, so different than even a couple of years ago and then years prior to that. But I think, you know, we made so many mistakes. And and one of the big mistakes that I personally experienced, and I loved how you mentioned this, is that sometimes we, as the entrepreneurs or the CEO or whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. we become the bottleneck in our business. And because we either have the final say on everything or we're very involved in the tasks of our business or, you know, we're the creators. So like our team is waiting on us. I found one of the most pressure relieving things that I ever did was bringing in someone higher level. It was years ago, but it felt like it was before I was ready. Mm -hmm. But when I brought in my operations director, it was like I could breathe again. And I didn't even know that was what I needed until I sought the guidance of people who are really well versed in this and are, you know, multiple years ahead of me and said, hey, you've got to get more strategic in this hiring process. You've got to stop just hiring randomly. And then the more people you hire, the more people you need to manage. And if you don't have someone else between you and your people, like you said, coming up with kind of an organizational structure, it sounds nerdy, but it can be simple, especially for a small business. And it's insanely effective. Then all of a sudden you can visually see who reports to whom and how this process works going forward. So that is totally on point with what I personally experience and what I see a lot of my clients experiencing and what we're building and helping them hire and outsource and bring in the right team members and then how to onboard and all of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm curious, being in this space, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see entrepreneurs making when it comes to hiring, outsourcing, growing their team, managing, like anything in this realm? <laughs> Oh my gosh, do we have like two hours? I was just going to say a list of a thousand (laughs) things. This will be like a 10 part episode. So one, and I think we kind of touched on this one earlier, but one of the biggest mistakes is honestly like waiting until the freaking ship is sinking, waiting until things are burning down on fire and you just want to pull out your hair. That is a huge mistake. And nine times out of 10, what happens when we start to hire out of that place of desperation, like we mentioned earlier, is we just bring on who we think we need without actually putting that forethought into the process, right? So let's keep it real. Most of the time, that's a VA. God knows. FYI, my VAs, I love y'all to good goodness. If you're listening, love you to death. But the reality is, again, for some people, that's the right hire. For other people, that may not be the right hire. So beyond waiting too long, the other thing is actually hiring a bit too early, which is hilarious. It's like both sides, both extremes are no good because the reality with hiring a bit too early Here's what I mean by that. I don't mean you have to have 30 hours of work a week for somebody before you hire. Good gracious, that is not the truth. You can hire somebody to do three hours of work a week if you really want to. That's totally up to you. But what I mean by hiring too early is, again, not putting that forethought into things like your organizational structure, your mission, your vision your core values, which are how you do the work that you do, right? Because when we start talking about hiring, onboarding, training, and everything that comes up after that, 
we have to get our people grounded in the things that really matter. And I feel like for entrepreneurs and just anybody who's doing this whole thing in a rush, we're more so focused on the tasks. So we're like, oh my gosh, I need you to take all these tasks off my back. I'm going to delegate, 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 outsource, outsource, outsource. It's going to be so amazing. But when we talk about building a team for longevity, right? And I know if you're listening to this right now, you want your business to stand the test of time. We can train on tasks and like accomplishing goals and metrics all day, every day, but you are in charge of bringing in the right people who are going to fit into your business, who are going to complement how you want to serve your community. And you can't bring in the right people if you don't know what your business stands for in the first place. So again, once again, I'll reiterate, mission, vision, core values are the top three things that I say, if you don't have these mapped out, I'm actually not going to tell you to hire. And I help people with hiring. I will not take your money if you can't provide me with the mission, vision, core values. I swear to goodness, it's that important to me. Oh, yes. Same here. And this is something that our team and and the willingness to um, secure them. And then once you evolve or your your company evolves, coming back to them, like don't just create them once, you know, eight years ago and then be like, (laughs) why am I not bringing in the right people? So let's stay on that for a minute, because I think that's so important. Like once you have those things Mm -hmm. and they are, you know, representative of the vision of your company and where you're headed and what you stand behind and all of that, how do you infuse that into the hiring process to help you attract those gems? And even more importantly, in my opinion, repel the people who are (laughs) definitely not going to be the right fit, both in personality and skill set and beyond. So what are some things you can do to really speak boldly to who you are as a company, what you stand behind, what you believe, so that you're saying, if you are in alignment with these things, please let us know and, and we'll have a conversation. And if you are not, please don't waste anybody's time by applying just because the pay is good or the job description sounds like something in your skill set? I love this question. And I love the way you worded it because I feel like as business owners, most of us have at least a kindergarten education in marketing, right? So to use that as an analogy, most of us understand what it is to have an ideal client avatar. We understand the concept behind, again, attracting and repelling. The same goes for hiring. Literally in my course, Dream Hire Bootcamp, we talk about your dream hire avatar. So who is this ideal person? Not necessarily in terms of they went to this school and they have this many years of experience, although things like that can matter in certain situations, but it's more about what type of role would appeal to them? Tasks aside, like the tasks and the responsibilities totally matter, but like what type of company culture would this person want to step into? Are they going to be aligned with those core values? So there's a lot of different ways that we infuse that into the hiring process from literally the get-go, from that job description. I can't tell you how many clients I have that have, you know, mentioned things like looking for an OBM to complement my Enneagram 7 wildness, right? And they'll infuse personality traits. They'll infuse their core values. They'll infuse the mission and vision into the job description itself. And what they're saying when they do that is, here's who we are. And as a small business, like it's really important that you also know who I am as a leader, right? And they really infuse that right into the job description. That way from literally the first step, somebody is getting a really good picture of who this company is and who you are as a leader. 
Okay, hold on. Humor me for a second here because this is too good not to share. If if you've been following me for a while, I had I pretty much cut out all alcohol for a few years time, which is crazy, but true. I'd have a drink maybe like here or there if we had friends over and we made a big dinner or once every couple of months, like one drink every couple of months, maybe. But I'd always pay for it later. And I hated that. Like, it's not worth it to me. I have three little kids. They don't care that mommy had a glass of wine the night before and they're not going to let me sleep it off. I can't stand hangovers. I can't stand being foggy brained or having a headache or whatever the next day. I'd have one glass of wine. I was turning into such a pathetic little lightweight and it would cut into my work and my mood. It just, it wasn't worth it. But if I'm being totally transparent, the Italian in me missed her wine. And that was just kind of my like curl up by the fire kind of drink or my cherry on top of an amazing Italian dinner kind of thing. But it wasn't worth it. And you also know that I'm totally obsessed with health. We've eliminated all the garbage in our lives as a family. And it never really occurred to me that I'm over here avoiding fruits and vegetables that are sprayed with chemicals, buying organic, but I'd drink a glass of wine, never putting two and two together that the grapes were being sprayed with all the toxins that we completely cut out of our lives. So when I heard about dry farm wines, I'm a skeptic and a research junkie. So I dug into it, organically grown grapes without any of the additives or toxins sprayed on them, the stuff that I hate, sugar-free, that's right, sugar-free. And sometimes I feel like for me, having a drink, the sugar hits me harder the next day than the alcohol even does, lower sulfites, paleo and keto-friendly. So I also am the type that never wants to recommend anything to you guys unless I've tried it for myself and tried it quite a few times. So I'm happy to report that I'm obsessed. My husband and I are obsessed with dry farm wines. I can drink wine again. I can curl up by the fire. I can have it with my big bowl of pasta. And I love the taste. And really, I love the fact that it's small batch and supporting organic farmers all over the world. This is like you know, what I stand for in business too. I want to support the small businesses throughout the world. So if you care about that kind of stuff like I do, or you just really like good wine, go check them out. They've offered to do something special for you guys as my listeners of Scaling Up, and they're going to give you a bottle for one penny. They can't do it for free legally because of the whole alcohol thing. With your order at dryfarmwines.com forward slash Eliz, E-L-I-Z. So Man, it has just been so worth it to go this route. I can enjoy a glass of wine again. And if there's ever a bottle you don't love, they replace it, no questions asked. So that's always really appreciated because then you're not going to love every single wine that you try. It's a perfect gift for yourself, maybe, or for my fellow wine lovers and hangover haters. This is great for you. No hangover. Are you hearing the words coming out of my mouth? No hangover. So go check them out. Take advantage of what they're doing for our scaling up community. I so appreciate that. Dryfarmwines.com forward slash Eliz. Okay, thanks for letting me digress for a second here. And let's get back to the show. And then beyond that, when we get into the interviewing and that whole process, again, a lot of times my clients will have uh, specific questions that are tied back to those core values. So an easy example is, uh, let's say resourcefulness is a core value for your team, right? You could ask a question around, you know, imagine we are in the middle of a launch and you checked my calendar and I'm booked up the next four hours, but you have a really, really pressing question that is going to impact our clients and it needs to get answered today. What do you do? And you just leave it open 
and you see how they would naturally respond. Because again, if you're asking those sort of like situational questions that are kind of sort of linked back to those core values, you can get a really honest answer. And the reality is some people will give you like a super generic answer and you're just like, okay, that didn't really make any sense. Or they'll give you something where you're just like, holy cow, I would die if someone on my team actually responded this way. This is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so critical. The open-endedness allows Mm -hmm. for either their creative spirit or lack of creative spirit to kind of show. (laughs) And one thing you've mentioned a few times that I just want to highlight is talked about the tasks. And one thing that I've learned as a business owner is in the early stages of business, when I would hire, I would focus so much on the skill set of the person I was hiring and could they complete the tasks that were associated with that role. And because of that, that's fine. And that's important, right? You want to bring people on that are capable of the things that you're doing. But I didn't put enough attention into personality types or skill sets outside of just like traditional skills. Like I know how to make PowerPoints and things Mm -hmm. like that. But like you mentioned, resourcefulness and just skills they've honed or kind of inbred in them. And then on top of that, what I've done is when they come on, I haven't had a good onboarding process in my early stages of business. And then on top of that, I didn't take the time to become a leader Mm -hmm. with my team that I was growing. I was more focused on managing them and making sure the tasks were done. And because of that, and because I didn't put a lot of focus on the mission and their role in that mission, how they were a part of something bigger than themselves, bigger than me. I was a part of something bigger than me too. We had a mission and we were filling a gap in the world that was really needed and letting them feel like, or making sure they knew, not letting them feel like, but actually making sure they knew that they played a really important role in that and that we were rising to this challenge together. Before I was doing those kind of things, there was turnover in my business because let's be real, like how how long does someone really just want to sit there and do the tasks and check the things off their list? And they were just showing up for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering why they weren't infused with this fire for what we were doing. Like I was because I wasn't giving them an opportunity to be. I wasn't telling them why they should even consider being that way. So I think in both the marketing process of hiring and the job description and the interview process and letting them know what that mission is and making sure that they would want to stand behind that and get excited about that. And you can use your intuition and really like keep a finger on the pulse of how they react to that. Like, can you see them light up on Zoom when you're talking to them? Or can you hear them start to talk faster and talk about how excited they are about being part of something like that? Or are they giving those generic answers? And then having a solid onboarding process that also doesn't just focus on task, 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 but where do you see yourself growing within the company? What excites you to work? on. Um, Yes, this is your role for right now, but would you want to take on other responsibilities as you grow within the organization and finding ways to make this process? Yeah, we're all in, especially in a small business, we're jack of all trades. We better be team players and we aren't always going to do tasks that we enjoy. That's just the nature of the beast. I'm regularly doing things within my own business that I'm like, "Eh, yeah, I really don't love this, but it's for the greater purpose. But Do we associate those tasks with being a part of something even bigger so that we can get behind them? So I'd love to know if you have any tips or ideas on how in that early stage onboarding process, you can start to infuse that culture and excitement and really let them know how valued they would be and the opportunity for growth and all that stuff so that they're not just coming in and collecting a paycheck from you. (laughs) 
I am obsessed. And I think like what you're talking about in regards to collecting the paycheck, I always say, you know, if you're going to treat your team members, because a lot of times people are just outsourcing and they're like, you know, that's why I actually don't love the word outsourcing just because of that association with it's like very transactional. It's very, I'm going to bring you on to take something off my plate and leave it at that. See you in Asana, see you in ClickUp, see you in whatever project management software we're using, right? But oftentimes when it comes to the onboarding and training, that is where we can take this from being a transactional, this is just another gig. Like I'm a part of seven teams, says every VA ever. And they're just like, why would I actually be as lit up about this as you think that I am when I don't actually even know what the mission and vision are? Red flag number one, you know what I'm saying? So when I think about that onboarding and training process, again, y'all know me by now. I believe that before we're even there, they should actually, not necessarily by memory, but they should know what the mission, vision, and core values are by the time they get to onboarding. If you've really steeped that previous hiring process in those things, it is a really, really amazing opportunity to restate those things and take it to that next level, which is, hey, remember when we talked about those mission, vision, and core values? Okay, in today's session, I want to sit down with you and I want to talk to you specifically about how your role fits into that bigger picture. I don't actually just want to preach at you. I want to get some feedback from you because maybe you have additional ideas about how we can connect you even deeper, even further, and grow you in the future. Literally, you don't have to have a big, I've seen people who do like recordings and presentations. That's cool. But even if you just made that statement verbatim and opened up the floor for a conversation, that is a game changer. That is that next level intentionality that a lot of business owners don't think about doing, quite frankly. And it really can set you up for success. And I would say beyond that, another tip I have is actually putting some foresight into what that long-term training process could look like. So I'll give an example. Let's say you are a marketing coach who has your own, you know, everybody has their proprietary method, their framework, whatever. So let's say you have your proprietary method, your framework, and you want to bring on your first co-coach, right? That's something we see a lot in the coaching space. Maybe Instead of just planning out, you know, that initial onboarding session where you're going to show them where everything is kept and talk to them about the mission and vision, maybe for such an advanced role like that, you need to map out an actual training curriculum. So day one, maybe that's those fundamental mission, vision, and vision. Day two of the training, maybe that's where you're going to show them operationally, where everything is, who they should ask questions to, all of that fun stuff. And then maybe the next week is different topics to get them really deeply ingrained in your marketing process, your methodology, different questions that clients will often be asking them, you know, all of those fun things. But it depends on the role, obviously. But when I say think through those pieces, it sounds like a lot. But and I'm sure you've experienced this, ma'am. It's like if you wait to do that and bring someone on, that's when you're scrambling. And every day you're actually more stressed out because you're like, crap, they're going to email me. They're going to call me. They're not going to know what to do. And I don't even know what to tell them right now. I haven't even sat down and fully thought this thing out. 
Yeah, we hire from a place of desperation. And as a result, we're hiring with the thought process of I'm bringing this person on to save my butt because I'm like drowning. (laughs) And we think we're going to magically hire them. And because they have a skill set in that space, they're going to take it and they're going to run with a ball. And we don't have. No, we're Uh in the beginning stages. You have to expect and build in the time to know that you are hiring and it will actually be more work for you in the early stages so that you can work less on that stuff later. Otherwise, you're going to have a hire potentially for years where it's not necessarily taking the burden off of you. It's creating a whole new burden that you have to face and and manage. So this is very much in alignment with just the idea, too, of are you just managing your people or are you (laughs) leading your people? And there is a big difference. And I would love your perspective on what you've seen. Like if you can think of people that you've witnessed Mm -hmm. that have done both and what the difference looks like. This is what it looks like when someone's managing, but this is the potential of when someone's leading a team. Love, love, love. Okay. So when I think of people I've seen in the past that are purely managing, that's when I get kind of snarky and I make comments about like, yeah, you'll just see them in a sauna or you'll see them in ClickUp. You know what I mean? So what I have heard, particularly in this space is like pure management. That oftentimes looks like the CEO who's only talked to their VA via video chat one or two times. And since then, they haven't actually seen them face to face again. Managing oftentimes looks like, okay, yeah, I'm going to sit down and assign all of these tasks. And that's going to feel like doing a lot because now I have to actually like organize my thoughts and delegate and do all of those things. But once I assign the tasks, I'm going to be pretty annoyed if I have to go back and forth and coach and give feedback and answer questions and all of that. So when I talk about management, most of the time, that's that very transactional operational. That's what that is. That is, here's the task, execute on the task. Okay. You didn't do this right. Here's some feedback moving on next task. Right. Mm -hmm. When we talk about leadership, totally different. Oh my gosh. So I like to say management oftentimes is just a structural necessity. If you hire somebody, you are now managing period. Just because you hired somebody and you're managing them does not mean that they look at you as a leader leadership is earned and you have to work for that. It takes most CEOs years to fully grasp the concept that them as a leader is a whole nother job description, basically. Right. Yeah, it just is. And that like, (laughs) I feel like we're giving everybody a lot of tough pills to swallow today, but that's the reality of it, right? It's when you step into actual leadership, that's that next level dedication of making sure you understand, first of all, who you are. How do you lead yourself? Everything from understanding your own personality. And I could talk about all the personality inventories all day, but whether you're talking about DISC or 16 personalities, MBTI or Enneagram or human design, whatever your shtick is, actually understanding yourself at a core level And not just personality, also what are you motivated by? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How does that tie back into this company culture that you are creating as the leader, right? And then beyond understanding yourself and leading yourself, 
that's when we get into leading others. So that's why I say it actually kind of is a whole nother job because figuring out the same information about every single person on your team, what is my podcast manager motivated by? Do they like it when I give them, you know, a little Christmas bonus or are they actually more motivated by quality time with me and my mentorship because I have some skill set that they desperately want to build? Understanding those nuances, that is a lot of the work that goes into actually stepping into leadership. And it's really surprising to a lot of people when they're like, oh God, I didn't know it was this deep. And I'm like, it's okay, guys. This is all a process. Let me just say, if you're overwhelmed at all by this conversation, none of this will happen in a week. You're not going to be like, oh, listen to this episode. I got my management stuff in check. Now I'm going to go be the best leader next week and it's going to be great. And then I'm going to be done. No, no, no. As with anything in life, this is a complete journey. And like you've said a couple of times in this episode, you've kind of gone through each of the phases of making the mistakes and being like, oh, maybe this does matter. Okay, now I'm going to, you know, incorporate a training process. Okay, now I want to incorporate ongoing team development. Holy cow, what does that look like? I'm supposed to be not only managing my team, I'm supposed to be developing them, helping them build their skill sets as individuals. Whoa, mind blown. But yeah, it's all just a journey and it's cool, guys. We can take it day by day, step by step. But those high level overview, those are some of the big differences that I would characterize between management and leadership. Yep, I totally agree. And it can feel like a big pill to swallow for people because leadership is not a birthright. You know, similar to what you said, like you become a manager just by structure when you bring somebody on and you're managing them, but that doesn't elevate you into leadership. I mean, there are people who run Fortune 500 companies who never ultimately choose to elevate into leadership because it really is a choice. And it's almost like, you know, if you decide, hey, I'm going to run my own Facebook ads, you'd have to like learn that skill and study it and apply it and try different things. Leadership is a skill. It's something that you develop with time that you choose actively to pursue it. You make the tough decisions and you evolve into that version of you. You don't just choose it and do it without (laughs) understanding it and studying it and learning. I think that's a big thing is that people want to embody it and they like the principle of it, but they don't choose to do the things that actually would get them there and help them grow and change. So I want to wrap up with people knowing where they can come find you because I have a strong sneaking suspicion that they're going to want to follow your work and continue to hear your wisdom on this particular topic because it's been straight gold for the last little bit we've been talking. Oh, thank you. So y'all, talking teams, leadership, All of the things surrounding that, particularly with entrepreneurs, is my actual happy place. So we will have many more conversations along these lines. But in terms of finding me, honestly, if you know my name, you can find me just about anywhere. So it's Tiana Tai. So the website is tianatai.com. There are a boatload literal boatload of free resources and content all around this stuff. A lot of that stuff is going to be some of that fundamental stuff we talked about. So how do you establish your mission and vision? How do you craft your own unique core values? That sort of thing. And then Instagram is really my happy place. That's where I hang out all the time. I'm at Tiana Tai. And actually, brand spanking new, if you are on this journey, we have actually just launched the Leader Circle, which is a free Facebook community. I'll keep it real with you. I'm literally active in maybe three Facebook groups. Like I'm actually not super huge on having one just to have one. But after a lot of time, what we realized is conversations like this with people who have been there before 
are really what helps us elevate our leadership skills and being able to say, holy cow, you guys, I just hired my third VA and they keep quitting. What am I doing wrong? And having a community of people who have gone through it, that's next level support. So if that is interesting to you, we are on Facebook at The Leader Circle and we would love to have you in the community. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so people can find it and join it and be a part of this movement that you're creating. But Tiana, this has been just a breath of fresh air to talk to someone about this stuff. This is one of my happy places too, Mm -hmm. really helping to elevate these entrepreneurs into their next level. And this is a key piece of that, especially with the leadership element that we closed with. So thank you for your time, for these nuggets of gold. And I can't wait for our listeners to get their hands on this episode and also to join the Leader Circle and get to know you better along the way. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homes, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all of the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, Take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.